To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is a Room Tone, the radio show. We talk movies because we love it. And here we are broadcasting from unceded masculine land on 101.9 FM. And today... We have the honor to be joined by two incredible, sp- super sparkling creative producers, everybody. Raise your hands for Mayumi Yoshida and Nech Dutstimeda. How are you guys doing? Great. Hi. <laughs> wow, what an intro. Awesome. What an intro. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Mayumi and Nech, it's a pleasure to have you guys over here. And I can't wait to, to get to talk with you guys a little bit about the, the whole flow mm-hmm. of, of independent filmmaking right now here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And uh, why not start with a cross-introduction? Cross why not, why not <laughs> each other, you introduce each other with that? How does that feel? Do you want to go first? You can go first. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Let's go for it. Um, uh, this is Nach Desdimeta. And he is a producer, writer, director in town. And uh, he's part of This Is Boone Studios. Mm-hmm. And this is Mayumi Yoshida. She's an actor, writer, director, uh, probably most well known for her role as the Crown Princess in Amazon's The Man in High Castle. And uh, I guess for the purpose of this podcast, we're also, or this radio show, we're both co-producers of MAM This Year, which is the Mighty Asian Movie Making Marathon. Um, uh, kind of like a filmmaking challenge by Beth. Awesome. Why don't we talk, uh, why don't we kick things off with that, with yeah. Man 13, you know? I'm very curious to hear because, you know, it's 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 been uh, around for a while, but this year it really took on a different vibe and, uh, uh, you know, it became very, very strong and people get, got to know about it so quickly. So I'd love to know more. Uh, what was your position on it and how did it all evolve? Um, we jumped on, uh, I, we were there last year, actually, we were actually participants of MAM last year, and um, afterwards I, we had a meeting with Grace, Grace Chin, who was at the time the uh, festival director, and um, we talked about how we wanted to get involved with MAM and how we wanted to like include more of our like local filmmakers that we know, and then um, it kind of evolved again. We had meetings with VAF team, with Lynn and Regina and Vincent, and then they were so um, welcoming for our idea of like being the creative producers of this year. So we started off with the panels, which you were there as well, mm-hmm. and it was a, a diversity panel, and then um, that led to the Mighty Asian Movie Making Marathon Movie Making Contest, mm-hmm. which uh, and, well, it, the movie making part ended last week, and the screening is happening in September on September 9th. Awesome. So September 9th, everybody, just uh, keep the date free. And uh, actually, we, we'd love to know more about the details of that screening and even of the overall adventure, because I know you guys have created an actual competition and, and uh, people basically competed to have the chance to participate to this. How, how, uh, how was the whole process, Natch? It, it, it's fun. I mean, the, the, the goal of uh, 
the goal for us this year was to make MAM bigger and better, um, you know, to bring more of a community aspect, to bring uh, people from all skill levels together. So the, the premise of MAM is you get to make a film um, in 10 days. So you can write it, but you have to actually go to camera and edit and deliver your film in those 10 days. And we have two categories. There's one um, category for 10-minute short films, and there's one category for the ultra-short one-minute short films. So filmmakers... Uh, from all around the Lower Mainland came together and pitched their ideas and, and, and in a video pitch and told us what their scripts were, what their ideas were, why they wanted to make it. And we had a jury who selected um, the top, uh, I guess, uh, the top eight projects from those pitches. Um, we so had that, the biggest submissions this year, which is, yeah. you know, we were so lucky to get a lot of people interested. But I think part of us, we're also young filmmakers here in town as indie filmmakers and we know that our community is very strong and the talent here is like it's really getting stronger every year so we wanted to find a platform for those filmmakers to gather together and make films together and then screen all together as well and also add the um the the factor that we want to cultivate asian filmmakers and that's part of that's what VAF's mandate was as well. So we're like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. That sounds beautiful. That sounds lovely. But uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about uh, your life as well and your career and what brought you to become creative producers of MAM 13. Who's gonna go first? <laughs> Who's gonna go first? Uh, well, I I've always been um, a producer type. I guess it's I, you know I, I I love film. I love uh, writing. I love directing. Uh, I, but I think it's my my lo- the logical side of my brain that you know uh, grounds me and 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 I think that's why I'm a, a good producer I guess like it comes naturally to me like the, the skill set that I have um, and you know I'm also passionate about uh, representation diversity in film and and you know making sure that we also see a reflection of ourselves our community on the screen especially in this city a city that's so diverse and. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When this opportunity came up, that uh, you know, to to improve, ma'am, to improve the event for um, Vancouver Asian Film Festival, I thought it'd be it'd be great, especially with Mayumi, who's also you know very passionate about that. Awesome! Uh, I'd love to ask you something, Ash, before we we uh, fade into Mayumi, and I'd like mm-hmm. to ask you actually, what do you think makes a good producer? Um, there's so many there's so many factors that go into it, I guess, but you know, one for sure is. Um, uh, a good understanding of story um, at, at a ground level, you know, understanding film as a medium, and also on the kind of, I guess, more, you know, logistical side, being able to communicate, being able to get a team together, making sure that they're able to work well and 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 oversee everything um, it, uh, from prep to post, and make sure that it's the best it can be, and everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a lot of emotional intelligence going on right there. You know, <laughs> that's uh, that, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, interesting. And Mayumi, how mm-hmm. about you? Um, I actually started off as an actor. So uh, Akashi was my filmmaker debut, I guess. And um, uh, I was lucky that well, the first pro- that project was all Asian cast, and majority was Japanese and. Um, and that's how I met Phil Planta because I wanted an Asian producer and uh, he was he had a huge community behind him and he's been doing MAM for a long time and I I think 
after I made it, I took it. I took a costume to lots of Asian film festivals, and then realized there's a, a even bigger community outside of Vancouver. And then I realized how, like, actually, we can make Vancouver Asian community better. Hmm. We can gather so many of us who I know already who weren't actually involved in VAF or MAM, and um, by getting all of us together, we can just elevate this competition. Mm-hmm. So that's what really, and also, you know, we some of us, I think, still feels like in 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 uh, the 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 not non indie uh, filmmaking world, it's still a fight for representation. So in the indie world, we still have control. We can have we can we have the possibility of changing that. So we it it, it kind of came naturally that well why not we are not going to just complain and wait for it we might as well stand up and just do it. Yes, I like that. I like that. I like that. And that's a that's a big a big scream, you know, screaming for independence. And it's 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 actual creative independence, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what really really makes an artist an artist in the end. And the beautiful aspect of filmmaking is that we all come together and we need a team. What do you think makes a good team? Um, I've realized that in directing and producing, I've realized that uh, pretty much 90% of it, of the, of the actual film to be good, is if you have a good team, good cast behind it. Mm-hmm. So the very first initial point of picking your crew and picking your cast, you need to really take time and make sure you communicate with them then that's when I think you make the foundation of the film. And then on the film set, you all know each other or like you trust each other and then the work will build on top of that, I think. So we've had a really great experience with uh, our film so far where we've just found those people and who've wanted to come back on set with us and work with us. And then it just kind of, the, the work spoke for itself. Like our, our, um, our chemistry on set, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it translates on the screen. And I think that's with a lot of other films, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think communication is a big part of it. Like, that's, you know, that's how you get anywhere. That's how you create. That's how you um, get inspired. It's just by talking to people, finding people who are like-minded and, and collaborating on an idea that you both or you all can, can, can jive with, that you all can, you know, see. You can imagine the big picture and then you make it together. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you transition that, that, that process? You know, you have... You, you have to pick the idea you have to you, or maybe the idea picks you to be you know to be expressed to be shared how is that process for you guys how do you guys get inspired um you mean like what kind of stories do you get inspired by yeah I'm, I'm just uh, very curious to know mm. what what in, how you get that idea that thunder that inspiration is it something you build across time or it's an idea that hits you right away I always trust my gut whenever I read a script and it doesn't shake me in my gut then it's like oh it's not for me <laughs> okay, okay. or you know it's for someone else it's not my film mm-hmm. I'm I often I've gotten like lots of offers on like I've been sent scripts or asked to direct things and most times when I turn it down I know that I'm not the best person to direct this or there's someone who who wants to do it and sort of scared to do it so they would rather have someone else do it Mm -hmm. and I can feel that so I would just kind of push them no you can do it you should do it because you're totally able to do it and if it's it is something that I know that I'm probably the best person to do it then I'll totally just take it but it's it really for me it comes from my gut mm-hmm. how do you feel about that Natch? yeah no gut, gut's definitely a, a big part of it like for me it's always been um, 
if if I love it, then I'll commit my time to it because that's the biggest thing, especially for um, a producer, a director, a writer on an indie level. When you know most of the time you're not really getting, um, you know, you're not you're, you're not getting paid. You're not you know you're 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 doing many thankless jobs and and for the love of the project and. Um, especially when you're producing it, it's like okay, there's the prep period, there's the shooting period, but the film also stays with you for years to come. Like you're going to be promoting it, you're going to live and breathe it for for years to come, right? So I think the biggest part for me is that understanding that it's like I really have to love the project going mm-hmm. in to really be able to um, commit and like live with that film for you know the the, the next little while. So mm-hmm. that's that's for me is the biggest thing. Beautiful and and that uh, raises another big question. I'm very curious to know about your artistic background because uh, I know that filmmaking uh, is embedded, you know, with so many different crafts and so many different art forms. And I'm curious if there is a specific art form that led you into filmmaking. Um, I started off as an actor, and I actually uh, most I started off doing theater, a lot of theater in Japan back in Tokyo. And um, and then I transitioned to film and TV, but majority of my uh, career has been based on acting, and I still do it. And I think um, I'm able to do directing and writing from an actor's perspective, and um, I also feel like there's a... Uh, a lot of people ask me like well do you feel like do you have to switch your mind and like <laughs> what do, do you have to wear yeah, I know you're wearing different hats but what, what is it like and I'm like actually it's not it, because at the end of the day it's all storytelling so mm-hmm. I don't it's not a huge shift for me it, it, it is I guess kind of I'm more mindful as a director like of the big picture but it's all about well, what, what best serves the story mm-hmm. what best serves the product it sounds like uh, there is a core of gravity which is basically colored by the sense of story mm-hmm. and then you pivot around that sense of story as an actor and director definitely that sounds to me and I know yeah. that, that you guys are actually coming out of a co-direct- co- co-directing experience is that right? Mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. How, ex- how is co-directing? Uh, it's great. I, I think we complement each other in the best ways. I mean, we're we've done two projects now. We've co-directed. One was called uh, Tokyo Lovers, which we um, uh, did in in Tokyo. It was a very small guerrilla project that we both kind of co-wrote, co-directed, and she acted in. It was kind of like a workation. Like we were there for a vacation, but you know, we were like, hey, we've got uh, some friends coming over. Mm-hmm. One of them's an actor. We got a you know, a couple of friends with a camera, so let's shoot something. And that became kind of like our our first project. We were testing the waters almost. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it worked out really well, I think. And then we just finished off a uh, second project, second short film called The Day We Met. It was made as part of um, this edition of Story Hive Digital Shorts. And uh, it was someone else's script. It was our friendly short script. Um, but I think we both had this had a similar reaction reading it and a similar uh, treatment. Um, so... I think we went forward with co-directing that as well. And again, that was probably one of my best film experiences thus far. Oh, wow. How, how so? Is that the team? Is that the collaboration? Is that the story? It was story? everything. Um, I have to give like huge kudos to our writer, Lee Shorten. It was his first time, and he's been our actor friend for like a while. But um, this was his first time writing. And um, he took our notes like so well to the extent that like we would we were we were very nitpicky and we workshot many times and we would stop and think and you know I don't like we did over 10 12 revisions for sure easy and because 
we all care about the story and we really wanted to be it, for it to be the best. We wanted to try every direction. And he was always so patient with us. And that was the same with all the crew. Um, they were all there to just, and they were all so professional. And uh, yeah, and our, our two, our three producers, Sandeep, Phil, and Theo, they really made the production go really smooth. Mm-hmm. Really. And if you have those people, and they were so trusting of us, so they would let us do our artistic work and they would kind of handle all the logistics to make sure that we can run around and do all the things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was really a dream team. That's mm-hmm. awesome right there. Well, these these dream teams, it's, it's what inspires us to do the next project, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I'm going to ask you if you have some, uh, some other big next projects in mind. Uh, but before going there, we actually have to... Uh, take a little break. You're going to take a break. And uh, for today's episode, uh, the guest chose the soundtrack by Philip Glass. And uh, I'd love to ask you why you chose Philip Glass specifically a little later. Um, but for now, this is uh, the soundtrack of the movie Kundun, of course, composed by Philip Glass. And the name of the song is Retting's Eyes. So everybody enjoy. I'll catch you after the break. That was incredible, huh? That was uh, <laughs> Philip Glass, Rating's Eyes from the movie Kundun by Martin Scorsese. And I want to ask you guys, how come you chose Philip Glass? Uh, I've always had a very soft spot for Philip Glass. I mean, I, Mayumi and I, I think, listen to music um, for similar reasons. And for me, it's, you know, to to get inspired. You know, we, we listen to, to music when we write, when we... Uh, when we talk and stuff like that. And for me, Philip Glass um, has been a personal favorite just because, you know, he, he's a minimalist artist, minimalist kind of, um, I guess, contemporary classical artist. And 
it's a lot of repetition, a lot of, um, like if you listen to Klaus's pieces, it's a lot of the same motif being built on, like he builds on the same uh, chords over and over and over again, but um, the way that he does that, the way that the song progresses on that same theme, that same motif, and the way the chords like change slowly, they have a very, I guess, distinct effect on how you perceive um, the piece of music. So to me, it's like storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mayumi, how do you feel about that? Um, we, whenever we, uh, the best thing working with Natch co-directing is we both appreciate music so much in film. So um, we always make sure we have like a draft of like this is the soundscape we want and then this is the sort of the music we want for the composer to make. And I think for the past two films that we'd worked together, we have a very strong score. The first one, the Tokyo Lovers, we had Sean Williams and then second one with uh, The Day We Met, we got Samuel Kim. And I think music just elevates. So um, anything, any music that sort of just takes story to another level, we have so much respect and appreciate. And Philip Glass is definitely one of those composers who does that. Mm-hmm. That's tasty right there. All <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Music. Woo. We, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's impossible to talk about music uh, unless you dedicate a, a big chunk of time totally. there, you know. When yeah. you get in there, you just get lost. And there are so many aspects to it, so many layers. Mm-hmm. And when you think about movies, you know, music is already so complete. Then you mm-hmm. put images and everything that, that can be delivered and conveyed visually. Woo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a huge effect. What yeah. do you mm-hmm. think is... is, is a movie that manages to do that well and pair music and visuals in the most effective way. I one of my favorite films is uh, Cinema Paradiso. Oh, Cinema Paradiso, of course. Oh, yeah, give me a high five right there. Oh, oh, yeah. Are you oh, kidding yeah. me? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that when I saw that movie, pro- I think I was like 14 or 15. I could not believe how much emotions went through in that final scene. I won't ruin it for the people who mm-hmm. I have not seen it, but that final scene shook me so hard I was sobbing. And even after the music ended I could just keep hearing the music playing in my head and then whenever I remember that moment the music comes in instantly and whenever I hear the music by itself I hear I see and feel the movie in my right in front of me and Mm -hmm. I think that's such a powerful movie that really combined music and picture Mm -hmm. beautifully Mm-hmm. I can. I resonate a lot with what you're saying. I remember watching the movie around the age that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, there is just something about the experience of, of the kid, you know, and, and and the aspect of growth, and the music functions as a bridge, you mm-hmm. know. It's actually there is something interesting. Uh, James Hillman said that there are three things that they all begin with M, that connect the invisible, the visible with the invisible, and those are myths, stories, mathematics, and music, and I mm-hmm. feel that music is that bridge that really takes us back to the environment of the movie. Mm-hmm. Natch, is there, is there a specific movie you have in mind? I don't really have a stand-up movie in mind, but I, I guess now that you're playing um, Philip Glass, it, it reminds me of this uh, this film that I guess uses Glass really well, and that was a documentary, actually, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about this sushi um, so chef in Japan who's dedicated his whole life to the art of just making sushi. Um, and I remember hearing the soundtrack, the, the score to that film, and it, it was filled glass, and it was just like this repetitiveness, like really beautiful repetitiveness of this music that f- I guess fits so well thematically with the theme, you know, of like he's 
every single day of his life, it's about just making the perfect piece of sushi and like mm-hmm. really passing on that legacy to his family. And that was, you know, the thematic. And I think the the music does such a great job at elevating that to like a whole new level. And you, you're really able to understand that idea because of the music. Mm-hmm. The pattern of practice, to, eh? Yeah, and yeah, we wh- just went to see um, Koda. Uh, okay. It's a documentary for of Yuichi Sakamoto, the composer from mm-hmm. Japan. And um, it's his process of how he made... We can see his process of how he composed the music for The Revenant and um, his search for the great soundscape and that specific sound or just searching for a sound that he doesn't even know was like, it was so inspiring. It, it is a very... It's an unknown artistic journey that they keep going with so much... I don't know, they're just so brave to go into that world without even knowing what's going to come out. And that was a really inspiring movie to watch too because, um, yeah, what, what did, what, yeah, it, it's hard to articulate. What do you think? Yeah, just, just, <laughs> I, I guess getting a glimpse of the artistic process behind the music, like, I, I think for a lot of us when you listen to a song or an album like you always take it at face value you, know, you, you don't really know the work that goes behind it. I guess same with making movies you don't really know the, the mm. work that goes behind the piece and being able to see the creative process is you know you, you really yeah. look at something in a whole new light and you're able to gain that appreciation what did he say he said I'm fishing water <laughs> or something he's like in the North Pole that's a really good sitting, quote and then he's like he has this, this sound um, a mic attached to the uh, like a fishing rod and yeah, he's just and like it's, submerging a mic underwater yeah and then he's just sitting there with like giant jackets and he's just like <laughs> sitting there and then he just says to the camera I'm fishing sound <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome right awesome. there very interesting uh, I, I um, there are so many composers out there that do a great job yeah. really really grateful to all composers mm-hmm. out there have you guys uh, played any instruments? I used to uh, for a second, played a cello. Played the cello. Oh! It was so fun. But one of the main reasons was one, I could st- skip class <laughs> in school to go to a cello class, and then the second reason was my teacher looked like Mel Gibson <laughs> at that time. So I was like, yeah, I would like to take this class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Natch. And yeah, I I played you know I I played the piano for a bit. I actually Ooh. was in like uh, for a brief period of time. I was in a band and I was like playing synth. So that was like that. That's a really fun. Wow, what fun genre? What genre was it? <laughs> yeah, give me that. Give me it that. was like uh, electronic, like dream pop. It was very like wavy <laughs> and yeah. Oh man. And then I was also in a touring choir for oh, yeah for a few years. So nice. it was uh, you know I was a bass. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, yeah. I can hear that for yeah. sure. Mm, amazing, amazing. Yeah, that was fun. Wow. Okay, there is a lot of uh, music. You see, they're tinted by so many different uh, uh, colors here. Huh? Mm-hmm. Really reaching all over the color wheel. I feel every filmmaker um, or whoever works in film somehow uh, should touch every art form in a way mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. to understand a little better the whole flow. It's so complete, right? Every mm-hmm. time you're on set, there's so many crazy things happening on set. So many, so many di- different interaction and dynamics. Mm-hmm. What was what was the most iconic moment on set that you remember? Uh, that's crazy. Whatever, uh, something that really brings you back there with with a smile, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Nat, you got something right there. 
Uh, I guess I can I, I, I can briefly tell you the story about a, a Cypher, which was a film that I um, co-wrote and co-produced last year as part of Crazy Aids, and it was probably, at the time, I thought it was, like, the most stressful thing to ever happen to me. Like, it was such a big production, one that I'm not used to. It was, like, you know, on our biggest day, we were shooting at a school, and there was, like, um, you know, 60, 70, 80 people there at one point, like, all there just to do this, this, this scene, and it was chaos everywhere um and you know it was it was part of crazy so we had to to shoot and deliver you know edit and deliver the film in eight days so we were already put under a lot of time pressure and stress and on our second day of shooting we uh you know long story short we lost the location and everyone was like oh my god this is over um but uh looking back at it now it's like the the ability for everyone to just gather themselves, like really come together as a team and figure out a solution, uh, that was probably, like now that I look back at it, it's like that was such a great moment just to see, you know, everyone being there for the love of the project and really troubleshooting and, and, and problem solving mm-hmm. to just get the movie done. And wow, how did you guys fix that? Uh, you know, we, we, we were at a school and uh, once we couldn't be in the school anymore, uh, we actually went back to the production office. We like hauled lockers and like, you know, <laughs> desks and stuff and just like tried to recreate that school environment. There was this whole like fight scene that we had to do that we hadn't, you know, couldn't oh. capture. And it was like, it was a huge, you know, like everyone go now. And then, <laughs> yeah, but, but. But it worked out. Yeah, like we, yeah. we did it and it looks great. And, and we were so glad that you know, people didn't give up. I was just so impressed by, you know, all the cast and crew for just pulling together. And now they look back at it, that's probably like the, you know, my one of my best film experience. Again, like one of my best experiences just because I was able to feel like, you know, like I was part of that force that really came together. Mm-hmm, that's I think another amazing. one might be when we were shooting Tokyo Lovers in Japan, we have one scene at the countdown at Shibuya, the Shibuya Crossing. So we were actually there for the countdown uh, December 31st, 2017. And we were in the pool of like 10,000 people. Probably more. More. A lot of people. A lot of Mm -hmm. people. So we had to shoot this and we only had one chance and we only have like three crew. So (laughs) (laughs) that was insane. But. It was also really fun, and we kind of, you know, all understood after that. Okay, well, we're never going to do that again. But <laughs> that, you know, it's in it's in film, and it's gorgeous. And we, I'm glad that we kind of just experienced that together. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And by the way, I wanted to congratulate uh, with you guys because Cypher is such a great movie. Oh, thank you. And uh, you know, I I, I want to give a shout out to Crazy Eights as well because mm-hmm. Crazy Eights does an incredible amount of work for the independent totally. uh, community of filmmakers here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and that being said, I know you guys have also experienced with the Story Hive, another organization around here. How, how was your experience with Story Hive? They're so awesome. <laughs> nothing short of I'm amazing. I'm not sponsored by them, but I really, I really want to like, <laughs> I just want to, but they have, they've basically made my career. Hmm. Or if they didn't may have uh, hold the female director's edition Story Hive for a digital shorts, I would not have stepped up to um, direct or write my own short film and call hmm. myself a director and a filmmaker and now I'm more comfortable and um, or I wouldn't have been able to meet this community or like have this community right now if Mm. I had not put myself out there for Story Hive so I really appreciate that they're every um, edition that they have they make it specific so uh, yeah I think it brings out a lot more new filmmakers and 
And I, we go to the States for film festivals often, and every time we go there, the people in the States are like, what? You get $10,000 to make a film? Mm. And we're so spoiled, kind of, that we're, you know, because if you do have $10,000, you, you kind of like budget and things, and then you realize, that, oh, I'm oh, sorry. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> so know, good. It's not, it's, it's not quite enough. But... Once you, um, when you talk to the people down there, they're like, if we had even $3,000, like, we're so lucky to get that kind of funding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amazing. Nash, how do you feel about that? It's, it's been such a great experience working with StoryHive. I've been through a few rounds of StoryHive now, um, projects now, like with music videos, web series, now a short film. And they just care so much about the filmmakers. Like, you know, they're on, on, on one end, they're, um, they're the funders of like the, the film projects. And, and that's already such a great privilege to be able to you know have that kind of resource in the city mm -hmm. but on the other end they just care so much about you as an individual as a filmmaker as a creator um, so they don't just you know make sure you get the film done they actually try to project your career and and launch you forward into the next logical step mm -hmm. and whether it be you know to send you to film festivals to send you to to uh, media festivals to yeah. apply you for awards and they're just so supportive like, inconceivable and akashi in another film welcome to surrey um we're all on air canada right now hmm. which is really cool we got in really because telus has that uh i think agreement with air canada and mm -hmm. then it's airing and we're reaching to so many different kinds of audience and it's not possible for normal short films to mm -hmm. you know do that of course Hmm. That's uh, this sounds like a like a like a great platform to to have joined, and I'm very very Absolutely. grateful that you know there is something like this in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. But I'm very grateful that, that the community is is so active. I mean, so how many applications does Story have received? It's huge, right? Because there's so huge. many people who have stories to tell, yeah. and I think that that's the most beautiful thing. You know, yeah. if you're in a place that that is hungry. Mm -hmm. then uh, then you probably are in the right place if everybody's hungry to do the same thing you're doing mm -hmm. and uh, I agree. that's where synergy comes in yeah yeah do you have a do you have a, in mind a moment in your life where synergy really came in what does synergy mean <laughs> oh synergy Ooh, synergy is really special basically it's when one plus one equals three mm. i think that's like every time i'm yeah I'm every set, time really. on set you At just least that's mm -hmm. what we strive for yeah <laughs> it's it's just Elevating, elevating, elevating. Everybody's pulling each other up, and that's a, that's a really great set. Mm. Not all sets are like that, and I've I've experienced sets where it wasn't like that, and then you're you feel like either you're the only one kind of like hustling for this, or you just don't feel like people are in it. Mm. And we've been lucky to, for our projects that I, th I think, from my experience, every single project I've been on as one of the key creators creatives it's always been such a great atmosphere of like well if that department's doing that great well i'm gonna do this much I, <laughs> I can't i gotta like you know step up the game which mm -hmm. is it's, re it's really inspiring to be around yeah that's a that sounds like an evolved peer pressure right there yeah mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. yeah. amazing yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> look at that look at that yeah yeah all right healthy all right. pressure <laughs> yeah healthy pressure yeah yeah for sure for sure that's good um well this being said you know, there, there, there is, there is a huge amount of directions we can go right now, but there is something that has been flowing th through my mind a lot, and it's uh, the the duality and the contrast of diversity and integration, mm -hmm. in especially in Vancouver. 
because it's a country, you know, Canada is a country that has its own history and Vancouver is a city that has its own melting pot. And I'm wondering, how do you guys see Vancouver in five or ten years in the realm of filmmaking? Um, I think, I hope that there are more Vancouver-based big budget productions happening that is uh, f from CBC or like Vancouver local companies or, you know, Netflix-funded Canadian production TV mm. series or movie. So it's not too much of a catering city because we, we do such a great job offering all these services to the U.S. shows. But I think we have... Not I think, I, I'm positive we have enough talent that there are so many great productions could happen here that is from Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So I hope that in five years we have multiple productions of that that everybody mm -hmm. is like working on and wanting to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And Mayumi, where do you see yourself in, in five years? I see myself, um, I hope that I would be directing and uh, writing and acting in, on an even level mm -hmm. so that... Um, so it's a balance, balance. You want yeah. to write and, and direct. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and definitely. A lot of people ask me like whether like, oh, do are you going to choose one path? And I was like, well, everything kind of feeds each other. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Natch, where, where, how about you? Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, definitely um, directing, writing. I mean, I've, I've been producing for quite a few years now and, and, and I, I love producing for sure. But I'm also just starting to find my, my voice from you know a writing a directing standpoint and I, I, I think that's what I'll be working on in the next few years is kind of just like solidifying that voice and, and um, I guess like you know putting together uh, a project that I that really reflects me as a person um, rather than just as a filmmaker mm -hmm. have you ever thought about feature films I think it's on both our minds for sure. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And I know Mayumi's already working on a feature right now, which mm -hmm. is you know an extension of her her short Akashi. Mm. Um, and yeah, and, and and that's really exciting. I mean, I'm I'm still at that point where I'm trying out a bunch of ideas. None of them's really sticking, but again, it's you know it's a process. Mm -hmm. It's an exploration right there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. You know what? Um, we're actually gonna go and take a little break before we go into the one minute pitch and the Proust questionnaire. And of course, this is, uh, again, the soundtrack of Philip Glass. This is coming from a, a different movie. This is uh, from Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. Everybody enjoy the texture of this beauty. Catch you after the break.
Oh, wow. Oh, Beautiful. I, it's, it's incredible. I got to ask you guys, where did this song take you? Um, gives gives me the impression of like flying, like the experience of flying. It's so delicate. It's so, mm. it's, you know, there's a lot of care, a lot of fragility, but a lot of care. I don't know. It's just always, always so, always so impressed by Philip Glass. How about you? Where did it take you? Mm-hmm. The, well, it, placed me, it took me to a place of complete peace but at the same time there's a little bit of conflict in there you know there is a little mm-hmm. bit of a race and, is, yeah. and that's uh, that's back in the mountains in Latuil up there <laughs> just going on my first uh, trips on my own uh, reaching the destinations to sleep up there mm. take my pictures be completely free enjoy the warmth of the fire the the, the cold of the night and mm-hmm. the light of the stars you know like those moments yeah. that really stick by I, I sometimes I feel like the most important experiences are the ones that you have on your own you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that that's 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 very interesting to me I, i'm uh, you know we're still uh, life is a long journey you know <laughs> points of view shift very quickly yeah. but i feel that that's an interesting thing to explore mm-hmm. uh, but that being said let's go to the one minute Oof. pitch are you guys ready one minute all right let's uh let's go for it uh i'm gonna hit that clock are you guys ready to make it happen let's do it all right and three two one so, as we said before, we're the co-creators or co-producers of MAM13, the Mighty Asian Movie Making Marathon this year. And on September 9th, Sunday, September 9th at 6.45 p.m. at The Rio, we're putting together a gala and awards show to showcase all the films. Um, so, if you want more information, check out MAM13, that's M-A-M-M-13.eventbrite.ca to get your tickets. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Story Hive pre-screening. It's all free, totally free at the Rio Theater on September 2nd, 6.30 to 8.30. Doors at 6, so make sure you come at 6 p.m. It's totally free, so you should totally come. And we have 11 films, and there's going to be an after party as well. Oh, it's going to be dope, guys. <laughs> Are we done? Oh, my gosh. You see that? F- 10 seconds if you want. Um... <laughs> There you go. That laugh is part of those 10 seconds. That's it. That's it. That's it. We're good to go. Amazing. I love it. All right. And that means that we're going to moonwalk towards the Proust questionnaire. Mm. Are you ready to go to, go, uh, to explore this? Uh... Oh, you know what I should have said? Oh, man. I'm so sorry. One go minute's over. Oh, yeah. No, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Really quickly. Uh, the, uh, the, all the Story High films come online. Totally available, every, available for everybody on September 6th at 12 p.m. Ooh, yes. thank you for that. So if you awesome. can't watch it at the Rio Theater, it's going to be online. But go to the theater. That's pretty much yeah. the message, right? Okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, um, this takes us to the Proust questionnaire, and Proust wrote down 35 questions, uh, believing that answering those would uh, help define someone's true identity. And we're going to go through five uh, and uh, just uh, get to explore a little better uh, what it means to be human. Why not? And uh, with that being said, I actually want to ask you guys, what is your greatest extra? Oh my gosh. You go first. (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) I actually asked him yesterday, like, what is extravagance? Hmm. (laughs) And I I think it's um, the the, the privilege of of time, like that I am able to dedicate time and, and and do the things that I love to do because I know that not a lot of people get this opportunity to you know create freely and to be able to pretty much like live their dream and I'm just I'm so grateful to be able to do that Mm -hmm. 
That's so true. That's the best answer. I'm gonna say ditto. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that's a that's a good one right there. Huh? Sometimes yeah. we we can't take for granted, you know, the fact mm-hmm. that we're living in Vancouver, and then there is so much opportunity around us, and you know, I think hunger is is a huge aspect of of what really makes makes also a storyteller. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have the hunger to tell that story, you know, nothing is going to happen. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something to celebrate. The community of Vancouver is a, a hungry community. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I'm happy to be part of that, you know. It's yes. good. It's great. And the second question of the Proust questionnaire is, what do you most value in your friends? Um, I value loyalty. Mm. Uh, I'm very loyal to my very close friends. And... Um, when you're and I think if you have that relationship no matter how you know you haven't seen them in five years or six years it doesn't change you're still like the same person same talk and um yeah there's that sense of huge trust between the 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 two of you so I think loyalty yeah I I think for me trust is probably the biggest thing like you know being able to confide in them being able to talk freely you know without any without any borders and just be able to um, you know, really, I guess, be myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Integrity. It goes down integrity. to integrity as well. Very mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I feel like there is a huge. There are so many reasons to not trust people out there right now. It's such a huge flow of information, you know, and uh, people get lost very easily. And uh, it's very. It's kind of hard to spot that core of gravity, you know, sometimes. But we need that those little shaking, uh, oh, yeah. those little shakeups that remove the unnecessary, right? Mm. So that's, that's uh, th- there is always a reason why things happen. It's a balance, a constant balance, you know, it always flows. And with that, we flow to the third question of the Proust questionnaire, mm-hmm. which is, who are your heroes in real life? Uh, definitely my father who uh, was a journalist and um, he's now a professor at a university and he's always he's always been working and always is working but also has a sense of play and he kind of like he's really good at taking time off and not think so mm. I really respect that about him he has a really good off and on switch yeah and I guess for me it would be my mother and 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 you know you probably get this answer a lot but followed by my father as well and and now that I'm you know at 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 my age I think I can see um the sacrifices they've made I mean we moved here uh you know almost 17 18 years ago now and Mm. I was able and now I'm able to realize and and understand like how much that how how big of a change it was for them and nonetheless they were able to you know give give me like 100% support in what I want to do and, mm-hmm. and to be able to go out and do what I want to do so yeah wow and how was for you to come here to Canada um I mean I, I was still pretty young at the time so for me it was like it was very exciting I guess it was like you know learning the new language I I, I came here when I was about um I think I was like seven at the time and and it was definitely new environment you know I came from Thailand so coming here mid-January when there's like a lot of snow it's cold it's like <laughs> you know it, it it was a huge shift but very exciting wow and how about you Mayumi uh I moved here eight years ago for film school mm. and I came here by myself so um it was a totally different experience and I was an adult but uh I think I was lucky that I was able to speak English uh, fluently when I moved here. And um, I had a purpose. Like, I I was going to film school and I knew what I wanted to do. So I think that helped. I, di- it, I didn't float around so much. Yeah. 
I love it here. It's now, I think I can, it's the first place in my life that I've ever been able to call home because I've always been moving around my entire life. Wow, home is yeah. another interesting uh, thematic right there. Mm -hmm. What is home to you? This is just a little extra question right there. Home to me is, uh, I think it lives with the person. It's mm. not really a, a, a location, but um, like someone that, someone that I can feel true to myself someone that I can feel relaxed or um, be truly me. Mm -hmm. I think that's home to me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Nash. I, I feel you, you agree yeah, with definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's always been about the people. It's not really about like the actual place. Like As long as I'm surrounded by you know, family and friends that, 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 um, that I love, then that's, to me, that's home. Mm -hmm. That resonates so deeply. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's um, uh, we forge our home within. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And that takes us to the fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. And that is a little bit funky, a little bit funny. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've always had a strong connection to like lions and tigers. Okay. I was also, I'm like born in tiger year and I'm a Leo. Mm. So for some reason, I always kind of like whenever I actually see them, I feel like, I don't know, I have this connection to them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was maybe part of that species before mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would love to be back in that mm -hmm. again because um, I think I feel more most natural there. I think mm -hmm. we had this conversation between ourselves once, and I think I came yeah. to a very similar answer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Tiger line of sorts, where I, I guess it, you. But your reason was more logistical. <laughs> <laughs> I associated with with freedom and being at the top of the food chain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, there okay, you go. If I had to like pick an animal, mm -hmm. you know? yeah. classic producer answer right there. So I like that. Funny. <laughs> Look at that. Awesome right there. Woo, okay. And it takes us to the fifth question of the Proust questionnaire, and with that, I actually want to ask you: What is your idea of perfect happiness? goodness I think I, I'm someone who has a lot of problem with insecurity and uh, I deal with you know kind of I, I have I always have another person in my head kind of talking bad about myself so to find peace in my mind I think that's the most happiest place and I hope that we can all and when I'm concentrated on creating that's when I feel like I, that demon kind of goes away. So that's probably why I love creating and being part of the arts and keep myself, I shouldn't say occupied, but I like to be busy in there because those demons go away. So um, I guess the moment when that's not those, those demons aren't there, that's my very happy moment. Mm, mm -hmm. Beautiful to link happiness with the arts. Nice. Natch? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and of course, I think my answer is very similar to that. Again, like going back to people, like so much of myself is reflected in the people around me. And, you know, filmmaking, like I love the collaborative process and, and to be able to do that, like uh, it would be a privilege like I call it a pri privilege because it is like we're in the business mm -hmm. of making dreams really and and to do that as my job like that's you know, so that's lucky. amazing mm -hmm. beautiful yeah. woohoo and that wraps up the whole burrito here we finished <laughs> up the whole thing yeah 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 and um, we're approaching the end but we're not quite done because uh, I actually want to ask you one more thing mm -hmm. 
And uh, with this, I want to wrap the whole episode. Uh, in case there are any shout-outs, I believe this is the time. Any shout-outs to other people out there? Uh, oh, my God. So many. But I don't know. How, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to miss so many people, too. Um, I have to give a huge shout-out to uh, Phil Planta, who's been with me since the beginning of my film uh, maker career and has been pretty much on every single project that I'm on. He's always supported me. And he, I call him. We call each other. I call him my film husband. He calls me my, his uh, film wife. And he's a huge part of, uh, yeah, my quote-unquote successes. And um, Shelby Shukalak also is also someone who's been around with me for a while. So, yeah. Awesome. Natch? Mm. I think uh, because we've talked about MAM, we'd really have to give a, a shout-out to uh, Lin Lee. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. Regina Lee, Vincent Wong, who have worked with us tirelessly to put together the event this year and, you know, um, uh, making sure that we're able to run it uh, with creative freedom as the co-creative producers this year. And they've just been working so hard and mm-hmm. we can't thank them enough. Awesome. And what's your advice to filmmakers out there? Um, don't wait for the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. It's never a perfect moment. Mm-hmm. You don't, mm-hmm. you, people wait for that. Well, it's not right yet. Or like, well, it's, I'm, I'm not sure if this is, you know, yeah, it's it's never like that. So just if you have that instinct, do it now. Yeah, write your own story. Mm, the wheel needs yeah. someone to spin it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. And uh, here we are at the end of uh, Room Tone Ratio. This is Take 28. It was a pleasure to have Ooh. you around here, guys. Uh, again, Mayumi Yoshida and Nech Dutzdimeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with that being said, I wish everybody a beautiful week. Uh, we're going to say goodbye with the soundtrack of one of my favorite movies overall. And this is, of course, the soundtrack composed by Philip Glass. The one you're hearing in the background here, um, this is Koyaniskatsi. So everybody enjoy and I'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>